This is Cinepunked. This episode, Duck and Cover. Hi, I'm Robert J.E. Simpson. As we record this instalment of the Cinepunked podcast, it is late March 2022, and as if two years of a global pandemic hasn't been enough to test our mettle, Putin's Russia has chosen to invade Ukraine and put the planet on immediate alert for a potential nuclear war. Plus a change. Ever since the first nuclear bombs were dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki during the closing overs of World War II, East and West have been locked in an unhealthy codependent relationship that seems to thrive on the nuclear deterrent. By the mid-1970s, with America skulking out of a disastrous campaign of war in Vietnam and with the Cold War raging on, filmmakers Kevin Rafferty, Jane Loader and Pierce Rafferty set about a five-year deep dive of film archives compiling the results of their findings in a chillingly cynical documentary feature about nuclear warfare called The Atomic Cafe. The result tells us the story of America's love-hate relationship with the bomb. And so... Sitting at home, thinking about the possibility of a nuclear Armageddon, I thought it would be a good idea to introduce the rest of the Cinepunk team to this piece of cinema as we try and get our heads around our own predicaments. And unusually for us, we have the entire core contingent in for the discussion. That includes our own writer of post-apocalyptic fiction, The Edge of Heaven and On the Brink, Dr. Rachel Kelly. Hello. A man who can tell you all about the apocalypse's foretelling in the Book of Revelation, Mr. Films and Faith, Neil Sedgwick. That's me. Hello. And providing a metal synthwave score to accompany our journey into the hereafter as the blast from the A-bomb strips our eyes of its flesh, Mr. Ben Blademan Simpson. Hello. Don't worry about yourselves. You'll be okay. Hey, did you see that city where the first atomic bomb was dropped? Yes, Fred. It was a shambles, huh? A shambles? It looked like Ebbets Field after a doubleheader with the Giants. <laughs> Well, I guess there's nothing for us to worry about. We're the ones that have the bomb. Attention, attention. We interrupt our normal program in the United States is under nuclear attack. In the background was the growing struggle between two great powers to shape the post-war world. A Cold War. Enemy aircraft are... We should use the atomic bomb in Korea. We could destroy them and contaminate them. Now listen, kids. If they're dropping an atomic bomb, we'll wait about a minute after it's all over. Then we'll go upstairs and take a look around. A new housing development near Denver, Colorado, shows the nation's first model homes with built-in fallout shelters. It may be just what the harried housewife is looking for. Hit the drink that you don't pour. Now when you take one sip, you won't need any more. As small as a beetle, as big as a wheel. Boom! Atomic cocktail. You must be ready every day, all the time. First, you duck. And then, you cover. Under the table. It's a bomb. Duck and cover. This is not a haphazard maneuver. Five, four, three, two, one. Worried about the atomic bomb, but nobody's worried about the day my Lord will come when he'll hit great God Almighty like an atom bomb when he comes. 
by the way, do you know exactly what your family would do if an attack came? Say at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning. It's a good question, isn't it? This is our, possibly, this, I mean, this could actually be our last ever record. Do you realize that? <laughs> it could oh, always possibly be our last ever record. I mean, literally, any moment we could all just die. So, you know, I don't know why this is special. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I mean, I don't think I have ever, it, it's been a long time, let's say, uh, since I last felt like this was genuinely a possibility that we are looking at end day scenarios. The last time being 9-11 and watching the Twin Towers go down on TV. And that's 20 years ago. So it's a very strange thing. Now, I, I asked you to watch this film. None of you have seen this before. Nope. Nope. No. Are any of you I, in that yet, Neil? I, w- I was very reluctant to engage with this, given the current climate. I was like very kind of, oh, I don't know if I want this to like induce nightmares and anxiety that I'm already like to further bring on any further anxiety nightmares that I'm having at the minute, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that's probably a fair response. Um, have any of you watched these kind of documentaries before this sort of, uh, footage of, of this era? No Not documentaries. Um, I've seen a fair few films, um, I say a fair few, but I, I, I decent number of films i suppose um that concern this this type of scenario um a couple of them actually sort of contemporaneous with this uh, documentary um oh i think it's called no is it called the day after yeah the day after i think it's 1983 1983 and it is basically a film fictional film Mm -hmm. um which looks at what happens if nuclear holocaust hits the u.s and it's not a barrel of laughs. Um, so, you know, there's 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 something in the air at this time. I think we all kind of know politically and, and kind of geopolitically what is going on around this period that is kind of prompting all of this nuclear anxiety all of it. Now, sudden. when you say this period, are you talking about the period that this film was made, which was 1976 and 1982? Or are you talking yeah. about the period that the content of the film actually covers, which is sort of 1943 through to 1975? Or are we talking about 2021, 2022? Uh, I think one of the depressing things about this film is that we could literally be talking about any of those things. And 40 years after the fact, um, you know, this film is is as relevant as ever, which is just like, I mean, I was I was watching this film going, what is wrong with us? Why are we like this? Um, but but I was talking specifically about that period, sort of the uh, late 1970s, early 1980s, um, when everything kind of steps up a notch and the, the Cold War gets hotter than it has been for a while. And um, the, the sort of the, the, the discourse on both sides is getting a bit more... Uh, bellicose and and unfriendly. Well, I mean, we we were talking a little bit uh, before we did the, the the record, and you mentioned an incident that yes. was very timely in terms of release of this. And I think it's worth probably getting that out of the way right at the start of the, the this episode. So, I mean, the incident itself was well, in nineteen eighty three. Um, Russia came within a breath of releasing nuclear weapons because they thought they were under attack by the US. So some kind of radar malfunction uh, appeared to show an incoming nuclear missile um, headed towards from from the States and into into Russia. And 
the whole sort of doctrine of mutual assured destruction at that point said as soon as you see one coming, you fire yours and well, I mean, there wasn't an incoming missile. It was a malfunction. Um, but had Russia fired theirs, the US would have absolutely fired theirs. And we would not be here today. Um, absolutely, categorically, the world would not exist. Um, and humanity would probably be well and truly on its way out. Um, and it was only the fact that the guy whose job it was to monitor the radar screens and then report anything suspicious to the guys who were pressed the button, looked at it and went, that doesn't look right. There's only one and it should surely be lots coming in. And he knew that the, the equipment was newish and it wasn't necessarily that totally 100% reliable. And he held off um, and waited for confirmation, um, corroborative evidence that never came. And so the the US um, people with the, the fingers on, or the USSR people with the fingers on the button never got that information that there's possibly a missile on its way in here. So they never fired the missiles and there was never the counterattack from... So, yeah, and that was in 1983. So, I mean, you say the Cold War was pretty hot at that point. It was pretty hot. It was very, very, very nearly nuclear Armageddon. And that's one that we know about, mm. you know. So, I mean, it's a scary prospect because I think, you know, growing up as a child of the 80s, um, your awareness, I mean, my awareness of the Cold War was this sort of very abstract concept and largely filtered through James Bond films. The Prime Minister's talked to Moscow. They're saying it was an accident during a routine training exercise. Governments change. The lies stay the same. Um, where you have the evil Russians and the Americans constantly ready to like do stuff to each other, but that was my appreciation of it. And I don't think I ever really had any any proper cognizance of, of what was actually going on about how serious this was. And it's only as an adult that you suddenly go, actually, this is really scary. Yeah. And then it's only when you have somebody like Putin <laughs> that you start thinking, this actually isn't just scary. It's something that somebody might actually go, um, dum. Oh, I felt a bit like that whenever Trump was sort of up against Kim Jong as well. Um, so, I mean, look... What I'm interested in, first of all, are your kind of gut reactions to this, because I think that's where it, perhaps it's 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 most powerful. It's how do you instantly feel after watching the film? Ben, I'm going to go to you first. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I, I know Neil wasn't looking forward to it, so I'm building up to Neil, and you know Rachel's very enthusiastic, <laughs> so I want to hear how you, you were coming at it, or what, what your response was. Right. Well, obviously, I've never seen this before. Um, and because, you know, I've grown up in the age of where we are, like, and, and you know, I knew some stuff about radiation and nuclear bombs and, uh, like, all the testing and stuff. Um, I Watching it, I was, like, flabbergasted and also slightly petrified. Um you know, even whenever they drop, you know, the the bombs in uh, on Japan, mm. and and they're interviewing like the pilot and the guy that goes uh, or who orchestrated the thing, they're like smiling and you know, a Harry Truman I, sitting off uh, caught on camera in between takes with a grin as he's about yeah. to give a serious answer. Yeah, yeah. Like I was like, what? Like you've just killed a bunch. Of innocent people, because hmm. there were like they they had a a city like not a military outpost or you know anything like that. 
civilians that have nothing to do with war or whatever's going on. So, like, that was, like, very shocking to me. Having found the atomic bomb, we have used it. We shall continue to use it until we completely destroy Japan's power to make war. Only a Japanese surrender will stop us. It is an awful responsibility which has come to us. We thank God that it has come to us instead of to our enemies. And we pray that he may guide us to use it in his ways and for his purposes. I'm mean, obviously like, uh, you know, playing a game. Um, I, I play a game called Fallout. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's kind of like 50s style, like all you see all that music that's um, in that documentary. Mm-hmm. It's all in that game. Um, and it's like, it's scary to think that like that could have happened. That could have been a reality. Mm. Like, uh, obviously it goes very fun, you know, fantasy with like mutants and, um, this is the game and not the, this is the, the game, just not, watched. not the film, but like you see the devastation and like in the game, mm. I, well, I was just like comparing it to like this game and, and like seeing the destruction in the documentary. Mm-hmm. Of like some of the bombs and like you know like corpses of children and things that really brutal like um it's like it's crazy how close we came to mm. this being like you know a complete mess like planet earth being totally destroyed yeah. you know so like shocking um is what i would say that uh, this, this documentary is um you know i you know, it, even now it's like hard getting my head around it yeah uh, I mean uh, so it's it's quite interesting to have somebody who maybe isn't as familiar with or have people who aren't maybe as familiar with the footage of that time um, of, of the disasters that actually happened of the, these, these I mean these actions these military actions I feel wrong even saying military actions because that sort of like justifies it I feel it's like abominable well, acts of well, destruction he- it's, it's terrorism in a way well, like even all that, like their justification of why it was okay to drop these bombs, and like you see, like like there's all this uh, sort of Christian sort of rhetoric behind it, or you know, yeah. Well, um, I, I was I, like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure God doesn't want you to blow up a a load of people, um, you know. I think we may get to that in due course. Yeah. <laughs> um, Rachel, what about you? What, what's your kind of um, initial response to, to seeing this? Well, after after I watched it and I did some reading around it, um, I was astonished to discover that it's considered a black comedy. And I can mm. see that, you know, after the fact, okay, yeah, there is something darkly comedic about just how awful and ridiculous and appalling it all is and you know the, those harrowing images of of the you know the victims of Hiroshima mm-hmm. um you know sort of juxtaposed with this complete bollocks of duck and cover um it's like well put your hands over your head kids and it'll all be fine um and I suppose you know, I yeah okay I can see how that is kind of the darkest of dark humor but for me 
I couldn't, I, there's no, I wouldn't even have cracked a smile throughout it. I was just watching with increasing kind of like, what is wrong with us? Why? Why any of this? And also, how come we still have nukes? Why? You good grief humanity sorted out. Um, I mean, anger, I suppose, more than anything, just um, and the fact that it is still relevant, that we're sitting here in 2022, 40 years after this film was released and nuclear war is again more than a, a, a sort of a vague hint of, oh, yeah, that's still a thing that could happen. Mm. Just you know, we're looking at this and we're we're kind of going, oh, wasn't it ridiculous that that's the kind of propaganda that people used to get away with, you know, duck and cover, or we have to do this because X, Y, and Z, and um, the, the, the sort of the blatant lies and misinformation. And then you go, nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. You know, what, what lies, what pretexts have we been given for going to war in the past, or repeatedly in the past couple of decades and before that, and, and then the decades to come, and you know, the, the war that is going on at the minute in, in Ukraine, um, where there's no way of, of telling fact from propaganda. Mm. Um, and, and it's just, it, nothing has changed. And that's, I think that's why I'm so angry um, after watching it. I think the film is fantastic. It's brutal. It's, it, it's, it's emotionally manipulative, but it, manipulating me in a way that I feel like we all need to be manipulated um, but I'm so angry <laughs> this is still something that we have to talk about why? What's wrong with this? It's 2022 for the love of God, stop this Neil <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I just, I just kind of want to say everything that Rachel said and more um, Well let's have the and more because Rachel said the other bits <laughs> I think all that anger mm. is is kind of my takeaway from it all. Um, I was so I was so enraged by the justification of like we're doing this for the right reasons. We're doing this because we are right. They are wrong. There's a moment in this film where they they turn a small town in America and they go, "You see." This is what it would be like if we let the Russians and communism come to America. You would have your rights and your freedoms taken away. And I was like, wow, 2022, rights and freedoms being taken away. I've heard that a lot in the last few years. Um, and it's, it's staggering when you look at it and you go, yes, the people have changed. But the characters are still the same in terms of there are still the same, the same players are still involved in terms of nation states. Mm. The same governments are still like walking around like, you know, Joe Biden apparently is accompanied everywhere he goes by the button. Mm. Um, do I feel that that button is in safer hands more recently than it has been? Maybe, maybe not. I don't actually know, to be honest. Um, does, you know, all those, all those nations are still using the same language, the same propaganda, the same fuel onto the fire when they need it. And the images of people 
disfigured and burnt and um, life changing, life altering image, uh, life altering injuries mm-hmm. is is something that you just can't shake. And when you put that in the current context, it's really troubling that we are just we just seem predestined to repeat these cycles over and over and over and it doesn't matter what what we do and like ben's right it's it's the norm it's the quote-unquote normal people who get caught in the literal crossfire of this it's not you know those figureheads taking each other out and you go that's all right you do your thing we'll all just carry on and get like it's the the collateral damage of it mm. is the the people in the street, if you like, the people who, you know, have to deal with that. The, one of the other things um, that really annoyed me was the religious justification mm. throughout the film, done in a way that, um, and you, and again, you see this all throughout history. You see it through the Crusades. You see it through. First World War, Second World War, you see it through, even even now, like you know, God is on our side. The the imperialist religion state. There are still platforms, religious platforms, where God wants us to win and God thinks that we are right. And I'm like, pretty sure when you chisel "Do not murder" into a stone tablet, allegedly, that should probably take precedent over anything that you're wittering on about with some kind of obscure justification biblically or otherwise Mm. um that and the fact that you know if you're going to start quoting scripture about stuff it's like you know we need to sort this out because of all the things that they will do to us and i'm like in the american context and in the russian context too in this film you're like there's a lot of people of various minority groups be they racial sexual minority groups, anything like that, within those countries that you mistreat. And it's that bit where it's like, remove the plank from your own eye before you deal with the speck from somebody else's. So like the anger that this generates in me Mm. when, um, when like God is invoked to kind of go, it's okay, we can kill these people because God says it's fine. I'm like, I'm pretty sure, no, that's not, that goes against everything that I understand of any kind of divine being if there in fact is one. I don't see, I don't see the point of that. It totally negates the idea of a a creator if we're going to get into the theological sense of it, do you know? Mm. I've created this so you can all kill each other and then that's fine. That makes absolute like logically before you get into any type of theology. <laughs> there's no logic to I've created you to have all this. You're killing each other. Okay. But as long as as long as you can justify it through me, through the filter of me, then that's okay. I, like what nonsense, do you know? So yeah, it just it as you can tell, it just really makes me like the the fear bit wasn't there, um, which was what you were really concerned about. Whenever was what I was before, concerned about. Yeah, yeah, I thought I thought this is going to really um, bring on a lot of anxiety in me, and it didn't. It just made me angry, and it made me in some ways kind of go okay so what do we do because if we're going to repeat this the only people that are going to stop it from repeating is the normal people who get caught in the crossfire Mm. so how do we how do we then do anything of any good to negate 
the crap that's going above us at a higher level. What do we do? That then comes down to vote out those who want that type of thing. Make the changes that way societally, and that's the only thing you can you can aim for. Will you get it? Maybe not, but any form of of small change is good change, I suppose. I think I mean, that was sorry. No, ahead, I was just, no, I was just that was one of the things that did make me most angry about the film because you can actually you can see the mind process behind that the thought process behind it which is going you know if people on the ground if the ordinary person who is going to be incinerated or at best case scenario die a lingering death over like a period of weeks if they had any idea just how absolutely awful this is going to be worst case scenario for them they would be rising up and saying why are you even considering this why are we collateral in your power games why would you even why would there ever be an acceptable number of deaths that you're prepared to tolerate in a nuclear war um so they the the cynicism that it disgusted me that they're feeding this propaganda to people going, it's okay, duck and cover, get under the desk. Because if you if you had any concept of your child being killed in such an appalling, this horrendous manner, you would be up there beating at the doors of Congress going, what is wrong with you? Have you got any humanity at all? But it's fine because you get under your desk and Jimmy's going to be grand. Get into your nuclear fallout shelter. All you have to do is wait till the bombs stop dropping. You can go back up. Life resumes as normal. You just rebuild your house. Um, so the, the cynicism that kind of goes, well, we'll just lie to them. We'll just lie to them. And I, I'm prepared to accept that there might be a tiny little bit of, well, we're not completely sure how long this is going to take before radiation levels retreat to some, we're literally talking hundreds of years, but, you know, maybe in the 1950s, 1960s, they didn't have a good ballpark for that, but the rest of it, they knew, they'd watched, they, they'd seen the footage from Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They knew perfectly well that getting under the desk was going to do absolutely bugger all for protecting little Jimmy. And they just flat out lied. Yeah. And because, you know, that's the only way you can possibly hope to have people not raging against this ridiculous idea of, of nuclear war. Yeah. Fake, fake news, Rachel, fake news. Part yeah. of it, part of it too, is the individualism of it. So we will be okay, be, be the way like America or Russia, because we're mm. going to send it way over there. Mm. Mm. We will be fine. We will survive. We will endure. Mm. And that, that kind of, individual individualistic side whatever whatever side you take on it is kind of something that we need to deal with as well because there's a collective responsibility globally and one of the things you're saying robert earlier about like the awareness of this when we were younger mm. like there's there's a generation now sitting watching a war on tiktok mm. <laughs> right mm. so like i i can't like I can't even fathom that. So that this whole Cold War thing happens, and we didn't have the constantly revolving news cycle. Mm. Like you couldn't get minute by minute updates from various cities across, mm. and that that has its. In some ways, what that does is it brings the world closer together. But what it does in terms of that sense of, if we send this over here and it deals with that, we'll be fine. It it does bring the anxiety. So the anxiety from Ukraine and Russia travels here now 
more mm. because we have it in our pocket. You know, when we were when we were kids, there was news that what like one six and ten. You know what <laughs> I mean, right? right? Yeah. So like you got three basically <laughs> big news bulletins, and I asked my mom once, "Why do you watch these three news bulletins? Because it never changes." <laughs> but it was it was like a it was like a religious act in the mm. house to mm-hmm. put the news on at, at the time that it was on, and now it's just like you can get that anywhere. Mm. And our our oldest said to me recently, she's like, um, about the she's like. She doesn't want the news on in the house because she's like, and even before all this, she's like, nothing ever good is on there, mm. which I think is is a part of it too. Like it feels like a long time ago, a long time ago, in a land far, far away, there was news and there was terrible things. Like we're not naive. I mean, we all grew up in Northern Ireland, for goodness' sake. You know, terrible things happen, but it felt like it felt like there was more kind of. At the end of the, do you know? Do you know that thing they used to do? The, stories. Yeah, like at the yeah. end of the news, they went the wee light-hearted thing. The yeah, yeah. Moment. Like they and did here's the little Bobby, and, goes, and he's got his new bicycle, and isn't it lovely? He's cycling to school, bless little Bobby, isn't he great? Yeah, yeah. and he's yeah. he's really. I was, I was never for, just for the record. I was never on the news cycling my bicycle <laughs> to school. My sister was in the news at the 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 aviary in Belfast Zoo. So there you go. Was she behind yeah. the cage or outside the cage? I'm going to tell her you said that. <laughs> I've but met you know what I mean? So there was there was a there was positivity tacked on the end, but there's not yeah. there's not the time or space now to allow that. So I mean, well, it's the the competition, isn't it? I mean, you've, the, the, you're competing you for a 24, 24 hour news cycle. You're competing for for ratings, so you've got mm-hmm. to be the most doom and gloom because that's what gets ratings. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, so there's a whole bunch of stuff there. Um, I mean, first of all, yes, and I'm hearing it a lot from people now who, who are just switching off the news over the last couple of years because the last couple of years has been excessively depressing. I wonder when people like this during World War II, did they all go, do you know what? I don't really want to hear what Churchill has to say today. Thanks very much. Click. You know, let's have a bit of Glenn Miller. It's, well, they went know, to the I, cinema and they still put it on before the yeah. film. <laughs> well, this but is you, true, yeah. Well, you had to have the newsreel before you had your feature. You could um, control the message then because there wasn't TikTok, there wasn't YouTube, there weren't people blogging from, the, you know, the, the war zones. So well, that's, what, that's what we're not getting. And so that's what this film is, is largely about. We're looking at a very specific American propaganda. I mean, this is all filtered through the American eyes. It's not filtered. I mean, whilst they've got footage that's been taken from BBC archives and elsewhere, this is a film that's about how the message was presented in America. So for us, and even our parents, I doubt any of them actually did duck and cover in in, in Belfast. I mean, they might have got get behind a bin because there's someone planting a bomb, but that feels like I a very a real and different thing. Feeling, I have a feeling, because my mum grew up in London, okay, and I have a feeling there was duck and cover taught in London. Right. I don't, this is, I'm, I'm getting this from a random bit of memory, which is completely <laughs> stuffed these days by children and COVID. But, um, well, people, people in the real world are tuning into this. Please let us know. Do you, I mean, were you someone who wasn't in America and has experience with this? Cause I, I mean, I'm fascinated by it. Um, so my own experience of coming to this, when I, when we first got a kind of slightly faster dial up, Rob, a dial up internet back in the day. Um, we could actually download video in in under a day. Um, one of the first things I started exploring was footage of things like disasters. Uh, it was nine eleven. It was footage. I remember watching a lot of that. It was footage of the uh, concentration camps 
and them sort of freeing those up and it was footage of the the the, the sort of the atomic bombs you were and a then, weird kid weren't you robert <laughs> well this was maybe about 20 by this point but then i discovered um i discovered this film by chance one day and because i was watching it and amongst all this other stuff i was completely captivated by it and it is all that stuff and it's the preposterousness of this message that sits you know against a background of like they're blowing entire cities up in a second and you're hiding underneath you know the doormat like that's gonna help and, and that's i guess where the humor lies um but it is ridiculous ben you gonna say something yeah like i don't think you could get away with feeding that kind of information down somebody's throat this day and age because we are too well informed Except we have the situation now where there are people who are still resistant to hearing any kind of message at all because, I mean, thankfully, since since the buzzword fake news got entered into the lexicon, um, it feels like anytime you hear something you don't like the sound of, all you got to do is go, it's fake, it's fake news, and then you completely disarm it. You don't even have to support your argument with any kind of evidence. I mean, what I love about this film but also what terrifies me about this film is we are literally watching the footage of these apocalyptic events unfolding. We are literally seeing the consequences of these events. You see the cities that are destroyed by an atomic bomb. And then you see them discussing, oh, well, this is what we've got to do to have more bombs. And this will be even better. And you'll be fine. As long as you're like, take another couple of steps back, you'll be okay. Nothing will happen to you. If you get infected, ah, you're all right. If you stay there for more than five minutes, then you're probably dead. But it's fine. You've got a little badge on. You're, you're okay. Watched from a safe distance, this explosion is one of the most beautiful sights ever seen by man. You're probably saying, so it's beautiful. What makes it so dangerous? Basically, there are only three things to think about. Blast, heat, and radiation. Radiation, this is the one new effect obtained by the use of an atomic weapon. Truthfully, it's the least important of the three effects as far as the soldier on the ground is you know we actually kind of see the consequences of it so there's a point at which you kind of go well you've seen that and then you're told that this is how you're going to be okay and you know that there's a disconnect there you can see that that is a propaganda message in order to make people feel slightly better about the fact that they're being faced with the prospect of annihilation now obviously they're not watching these films back to back in the way that we're get treated to you know uh we, we get treated to this assembly that's a very particular assembly and we get to watch it evolve over the course of 30 years whereas they're maybe probably not watching the footage of people dealing with nagasaki but they are probably watching the videos about how to build an atomic shelter in your garden which in a way probably doesn't seem that far removed from the point at which they were building shelters in the garden because people were bombing them with regular bombs i mean i can kind of see that makes a logical sense and that doesn't seem so alien. So it kind of gives you a little bit of comfort. And we know that those bomb shelters worked in World War II. They did protect people. So it does make sense that, you know, maybe this will help them as well. And it's, yeah, but it's the radiation. incrementally. It's the radiation thing that it'll get you. Like, um... well, it's, it's when you see the pigs. I mean, those pigs oh, that are disfigured instantly. Yeah. yeah. 
like you just really kind of suddenly stomach churned at that bit. It it registers in a completely different way. Um, I I mean I look I'm I'm with you. What I what I'm appreciating is that you've all had very visceral and very clear responses to it. I would love to have screened this in front of an audience right now um, <laughs> and got their reaction. You probably um, have to pay an audience to sit and watch this right now. To be perfectly I, honest, I, I don't know. I think it. I mean it. That that dark humor, that kind of curious insight into staring into the abyss. I think people do do still get a certain amount of satisfaction out of doing it. I mean, I did suggest it to everyone for a reason, and everyone has actually embraced it and gone and watched the film and had a reaction to it. I'm also kind of struck by the fact that you know, two years ago when the pandemic hit, we decided to do an event that was all about how to survive. Basically, the, the you know the apocalypse, zombie apocalypse, yeah. <laughs> but there, but I mean, it's still an apocalyptic scenario as we were literally staring it down in the face, and here we're watching something that's actually presenting us with a very real prospect about what will happen if the apocalypse happens via someone with a bomb. And some... but isn't that part of the danger as well? Is that the apocalypse kind of happened? I mean, you know that the the, the, the pandemic happened and we are so exhausted yeah. by living through history and you know COVID is bloody awful I, you know at this point I think most of us know somebody that has died um as a result of this hmm. you know, this this new this new disease um but most of us survived you know I mean even even those of us who've who've had it we've come through it and we haven't for the most part, um, being terribly badly affected by it. So, you know, the apocalypse happened, this pandemic that we have been told was coming for the longest time. We are in it. And you know, most of us haven't been badly affected by the virus itself. So are we a little bit desensitised to the apocalypse now? I, I would hazard almost certainly. I think... I think... I, I think probably. I, I think the combination of the news that's 24 hours a day, which we've had for a long time now, um, some of the other things that have happened, I think having survived bits and pieces, the fact that we've known about these sorts of events for 70 years. Mm -hmm. You know, we've known about the, the, the impact of an A-bomb since 1945. Yeah. <laughs> it hasn't stopped us at all from going, let's build some more bombs because that's the way to solve it. It sort um, of feels a bit, doesn't it? Like I doing that Mitchell and Webb um, sketch, Hans, are we the baddies? Who, <laughs> the Allies remain the only side to have actually dropped an atomic bomb. You know, the, yeah. the baddies didn't do that. Our guys did that. I don't yeah, want to the think about that. The, the baddies are only the baddies because we were told they're they exactly. the baddies. Yeah. Well, th this is where you can apply this stuff to any any conflict within the world. You know, we talk about what happens in Saudi Arabia. We talk about what happens within Israel and Palestine. Uh, what happens in Northern Ireland? You know, all these places. That it's all about perspective. Um, so, I mean, not that I wish to to draw sides in this tonight, because I don't think that would be in any of our <laughs> <laughs> if we're gonna get cancelled, it's not me for this. <laughs> I get ratioed on Twitter. <laughs> uh, be alright. We get some traffic. Maybe we should. Yeah, not traffic. all traffic is good traffic. If they're talking about us and listening to us, that's all right. We we'll make it some advertising. Um, 
Cinepunk's propaganda. <laughs> Question. Uh, yes? How far do you have to be from the blast to live through it? Well, let's take a 20 megaton surface burst. You would have a good chance of surviving if you were more than 12 miles from the point of detonation. I mean, the other thing that, that that sort of briefly occurs to me as well is that I mean, Rachel and I had a co- uh, had a conversation a couple of years ago about Night and Fog, which was uh, a documentary about the concentration camps. And for me, like when you kind of go to that, to you go to this sort of stuff, there is something about this sort of dark voyeurism, um, this sort of really, really sinister documentary stuff that puts us at a slight distance. We are removed from what's happening. Um, you know, even when we're watching the stuff on the news, as we're watching, a, a, you know, a country being blown to bits, we're still at a remove from it. And there is a fascination and there is almost like an excuse, but it is still, still captivating. Um, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I, I'm going to say that I find some of the stuff in this film quite beautiful. Um, there is something weirdly beautiful about those men in the, in the army unit who are being positioned close to this blast this is one of the sections that's in color and then they come up from underneath their from from their little trenches and start walking towards the big mushroom cloud i mean you find that beautiful it's i mean it scares me because you kind of think they will they'll all catch leukemia and die by the time they're 35 but if they last that long those but those images I, I don't know. I mean, this is the thing where I mean, there there is a point where somebody says on one of the films that this is actually a really beautiful thing to look. At. Is it the chaplain who says it? Yeah, yeah. yeah it's the chaplain, he says it's yeah. one of the most beautiful sights you'll ever see as long as you're safe. I'm just like, <laughs> are you high? What's wrong with you? Pretty sure he was an actor and not an actual chaplain. But <laughs> well, he was a bad, really terrible actor anyway. What seems to be the trouble, soldier? You look a little bit worried. Well, I am, chaplain. Just a little bit. Actually, there's no need to be worried, as the Army has taken all of the necessary precautions to see that we're perfectly safe here. Yeah, he, yeah, he was. He was a bad actor. <laughs> there, there are, like, Google searches you can do for, um, like, in explosions, be they bomb or volcanic, something like that, eruptions. Like, there's a collection of images you can Google for, like, skulls and stuff appearing within the the kind of cloud for me, like death uh, images yes. coming mm. within the kind of cloud images, you know, the way like in cartoons, they would do that, you know, drop mm. a flipping case of bombs on Wiley Coyote and it comes up a skull up above like that genuinely happens. Now I know Photoshop's a thing, obviously, but um, the, the images are, are out there. I don't, I don't know if there's any, uh, I don't know if there's any beauty in that. I think, I think you might be on your own on this one. Yeah. Whenever I seen that bit um, with the soldiers walking towards the explosion, I was like, "These guys." Well, I suppose they're just being told what they're being told. Hmm. Like they're like, "Oh, don't worry about the radiation. You know, as long as you don't stay in there too long, you're you'll be fine." But us being informed the way we are, we're like, "These guys are." Getting nuts. Oh, yeah. I want I want to be the kid on the bicycle who's got like the entire suit. <laughs> yeah. I mean the irony is yeah, he might actually suit. have some kind of chance of surviving, but he's just gonna stay in that for the rest of his life. He'll I hope it grows to his with body. Him. He'll yeah. be the he'll be an iron man. <laughs> he'll, 
he'll have a bike attached to him <laughs> for the rest of his days. Be like 65 years old, on a flip and still on a bike, on a yeah. child's bike, looking like a Tuscan sand reader, but he'll still be alive. <laughs> see, now we're finding the humour in this darkness. I mean, yes, I can see why it's a black comedy. I mean, it is the darkest of dark humour. Um, but, you know, it's the ridiculousness of it. But, you know, I think we also have to bear in mind that this film was released in 1982 when there was still, like, a really distinct possibility that the world could still end like that. I mean, not that there's not now, clearly, but, but mm. you know, this was during the Cold War. This was after Reagan had kind of up the stakes a bit by going, do you know what? We're going to get a bunch more nuclear weapons to really annoy Russia. Um, and so, like, the, the, 1982, they released this film, and literally the following year, nuclear war nearly happened. So, I just, you know, it's, 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 there's not, it, it kind of defies even any kind of happy ending because you can't look at it from a position of safety and go, well, thank goodness cooler heads have prevailed because they haven't, and they hadn't at that point. Um, it's, it, yeah. There's no happy ending to it. No, no. not at all. Everything's but I mean... depressing. Happy March. <laughs> They did turn this into entertainment at one point as well. Like, do we remember War Games? The the eighty three like in around that time. I remember this being like a kind of family film where it was like science fictiony computer games. Like yeah. you get to bomb <laughs> places, and it was like, are there actual bombs going off or something in the background? Like they they turned it into like they almost kind of tried to um like disney this into like a family movie at one point. Mm. Maybe it wasn't as much of a family movie as I'm remembering it because I was very young, but yeah. The... But I, mean, I think that's our way of coping with stuff. It's our way of coping with, with stress. I mean, like the, the... Rachel's written books about sort of pandemic situations, one of them before a pandemic, one of them in the middle of one. Well, you the know... second book isn't about a pandemic. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to read it then. Fine, don't. <laughs> but no, I, I, I mean, quite, I quite hope. happy to say I wrote that. I wrote the novel about pandemic because I knew a pandemic was coming and it scared the shit out of me. Mm. And writing about the pandemic that hadn't yet happened when I, I was drafting that was a way of dealing with that fear. So I totally see what Neil is saying, you know, disnifying it, making it something that is, I don't know, exciting and very clearly film um mm. you, there's there's two ways of approaching it. i mean that's one way the other way is you know the day after which is just nuclear war is going to be terrible please can we not do this look at all these people dying and the ones that died straight away they were the lucky ones because look at all these people dying horribly over a long period so i mean there's the kind of the i just feel like the atomic cafe comes somewhere in the middle of that mm. because it's going guys what is wrong with us stop doing this and you know this is this is how this happens this is how we are conditioned to accept as normal something that is far from normal um mm. but it's also it's doing it to like a, a jaunty tune and you are able to to look at it and go oh my god that is ridiculous that is completely ridiculous and being able to sit back and go that is manifestly ridiculous and to look at it from a more sophisticated um a, a more sophisticated viewing perspective you where 
you know, the, the the world is gradually getting more and more media literate. That's why propaganda is mm. having to get more and more sophisticated to, to um, get around the increasing sophistication of the way we interact with media. Um, but to sit and go, ha, 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 that was ridiculous. Look how ridiculous it was at a time when it's still happening. Mm. Um, you, there's there's that part coping mechanism as well, surely. Ben, you going to say something there? I was just, um, I was expecting to see Spongebob appear <laughs> <laughs> because of uh, Bikini Bottom, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the bikini at all. Yeah. Um, they drop the bomb and then it goes, a few moments later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I suppose the thing is the film itself doesn't have a, a, uh, a commentary, a voiceover, so we're not being led in a Michael Moore style. The Michael Moore apparently took a lot of inspiration from this film uh, in terms of how we're supposed to feel and respond to it. Uh, it's all in the edit, it, which is which is lovely. It's a lovely Soviet idea about the montage, about like that. Because I've, I've got freaking Eisenstein in my head this week. You know, where you kind of take these these images, you juxtapose them, stick them all together, and that's where you create the meaning. And that's kind of what the film does. But the, the other thing that that's really important within the film is the music. Any thoughts on the music, Ben, seeing as you're our resident musician? Well, <clears throat> are you going to do an album of covers of Atomic Bomb songs? Because I'll definitely buy that. I will too. Probably not. <laughs> um, I tried, folks. I tried. Uh, <laughs> like, well, I, I think the music's great. Um, just because of how ridiculous it is. Obviously, like, I've, because I played Fallout, like, I'd never seen this thing before. Mm. Um like a lot of those songs are used in in uh, like Fallout Three and and Fallout Four. You're making 4. me want to play Fallout now, just like, so I can hear. <laughs> like it's great. Like like this destitute wasteland that you're trudging through, and then all these weird, you know, like um, atomic bomb uh -huh. songs and you know stuff about all that stuff are going on on the the radio, and you're like, wow. You know, it's kind of surreal because it happens at like that that period, like the the uh, the fifties. Mm. So you know, it's like Bakelite TVs and all this, or I don't know if that's the right thing. Maybe that's later. Is that later? No, Bakelite's Bakelite's a thing at that time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you know, you know, those like roundish looking TVs and everything, and you know, um, all that kind of stuff. Um, the the old timey mm -hmm. fridges and everything you know like the smeg stuff or whatever mm -hmm. um and but it's all rusted the pieces have been blown up and things like that like it's it's really surreal so the music like i like the music and i find it fascinating about the like you know the lyrical content and like it's it's like it's really weird like this really happy tune about bombs <laughs> going off and do you have a favorite? I don't know. I would need to watch it again, probably, or or at least look up the soundtrack. There will soon be an end to this cold and wicked war when those hard-headed communists get what they're looking for. Only one thing that will stop them and their atrocious fun. If General McArthur drops a atomic bomb. 
there is a soundtrack album available it's missing some of the tracks including one of my favorites which is the bill haley one about how there's 13 there's all these women and there's only one guy oh no oh. the atomic bombs hit and i'm the only guy left oh my oh. life is so bad yeah oh wait yeah yeah um that's the bit where they're all jiving isn't it yeah that, that bit's on um it's all right it's been duck. sterilized by the radiation anyway yeah. even better D- duck and cover is a banger <laughs> I want the Ben the Ben Simpson cover version of Duck and Cover. <laughs> so do I. That'd be right. amazingly dark. I'll I'll see what I can do. Oh, you're a good man. I mean, I want them to get it done in the next couple of days. We can stick it on this as, a, as our oh. <laughs> <laughs> You know, just when you're when you're talking about the um the kind of men and women aspect, of this did you see the bit in the middle of it all where the guy walks into the bar? He's like trying to get off the street and stop hearing about all this. And there's an atomic taxi company, right? Mm-hmm. There's a, the couple are sitting at the bar and the girl says, you know, it's really scary. And if this thing did go off, I I could end up horribly disfigured. And the two fellows both look her up and down and go, yeah, yeah that would be really horrible, wouldn't it? <laughs> like, it's the flipping most like I'm going... Is that supposed to be funny? Am I supposed to be outraged by the sexism of this moment? What is this? What am I watching? Like, it was so just kind of such a gear shift of like, it was almost like, wah, wah, in the middle of it, you know? I, I mean, I think it's one of the things that, that for me, I sometimes wish there was a bit more awareness of about what form each of these propaganda videos has taken. Now, I mean, that one I'm familiar with other stuff from sort of wartime UK material, where it feels like it's very definitely a, a, a government ministry information film about how to approach certain stuff. But then there's these very real documentaries that aren't performed. And then there's other kind of films that are for the soldiers to brainwash them into going and staring into the, the eye of a mushroom cloud because that's what you do um yeah it's 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 a bizarre fun <laughs> mix just to go back on the music as well and to go back to what i was saying about the religion mm. aspect of it I was like, hoping you're going to talk about this one there's a lot of kind of gospely type thing and if, if ever there was proof musically ben i don't know what do you think about this but if ever there was proof that you could sing whatever you wanted but as long as you went jaunty enough for the tune <laughs> you could make it a hit like yeah. we're all gonna die it's all gonna be horrible my arms are gonna fall off but this is a great tune like what are we doing <laughs> like it was mental but there's one where it's like i d- everybody what was the lyric something like everybody's worried about dropping the atomic bomb but nobody's worried anymore about like Jesus coming back or something along those lines. And it's like. Everybody's worried about the atomic bomb, but nobody's worried about the day my Lord will come when he'll hit great God Almighty like an atom bomb when he comes, when he comes. Read the room, guys, not the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, well, of course. But that, that, I mean, that's so typical of the church, though. I mean, uh-huh. like, we, I mean, like, for those of us who've, who've, who've gone through that upbringing, especially Northern Ireland, I mean, that, that was definitely many a sermon whenever I was a kid. Because, yeah. you know, well, the, I mean, people are worried about all this other stuff, but uh, we just got to be worried about Jesus coming back. Yeah, the fear, the fear aspect of that. And, uh, you know, where will you spend, where will you spend eternity? 
you know, I sat in many a room where it was like, if you died tonight, if you walked out of this place tonight and you were hit by a bus, where would you spend your eternity? And I was like, well, as long as it's not here, bro, because you're born the life out of me. I'll take the bus. Whatever it comes, if I get on it as a passenger or if I'm clinging to the front of it, get me out of this room. You know, like it's those those type that type of messaging always has gone on religiously speaking. Yeah. Um, like, what would you prefer, the atomic bomb or the Lord's return? Which, by the way, if you do ever fancy scaring the absolute cake out of yourself, just go through Revelation some night <laughs> with a glass of wine and uh, go to, you know, just step through it and see what you think. And you might fancy your chances with an atomic bomb, because I'll be honest, I'll take my chances with the mushroom cloud. <laughs> And some of the terrifying things that are in there. Thanks very much. All Note the same. to self, not reading Revelations. <laughs> there's mad, there's mad stuff, mad stuff in there. But that's another conversation for another time. I mean, one of the things that, that just to, and we're going to write this up pretty soon. I mean, one of the things that that kind of strikes me as well in terms of our our present day circumstances is it feels watching this like there is such a preponderance of the bomb within the media, and I know from film, there's a huge number of films, and it's a whole science fiction. Uh, sort of industry that's built around bomb films, essentially, you know, the dealing with the aftermath. Godzilla is created by the atomic bomb yeah. in that whole franchise. Um, so it seems very, 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 very prominent within film. And then you start hearing these songs and suddenly you go, actually, this stuff seems to have influenced a lot of music as well. I don't feel that we've had that in quite the same way when we've been talking about things like the pandemic, um, with the exception of Van Morrison and Eric Clapton having a bit of a whinge. Um, like that strikes me as an odd thing. Yeah, I that, want I want the the dance remix of Robin Swan is very dangerous. <laughs> That's what I want, but just a <laughs> behind it. <laughs> this this is all passed me by entirely. I have zero knowledge of pandemic music. <laughs> Van put a whole album out about like how the government were bad people and were keeping us all in our boxes and all this type of. Okay. Stuff. Stuff. Mm. Say. Don't say anything that's going to get us sued, Rachel. Don't say anything that's going to get us hey, sued. Van's, a, Van's an angry man. Mm. You know yes. I mean? He's an angry yes. man, just in general, before that album. <laughs> you know, so like, mm. it's okay. we, we think. I think that's okay to say. Uh, it certainly gives the impression of being a man who's slightly, um, maybe has a chip on his shoulder. But I mean, that's just my impression of him. He's probably lovely in real life if we actually had a chance to have a one on one with him. Hey, Van, if you're listening, brown-eyed girl, banger. Your personal views, not so much, my friend, okay? <laughs> uh, subscribe at sunnypunk.com and leave a review of the podcast page. Thanks. <laughs> He's genuinely giving me a point where I'm thinking, like, am I going to have to cut that out? <laughs> no, it's leave balanced. It leave it's it balanced. <laughs> Fuck Van Morrison. Oh, that's, it's not good doing that. That's not us at all. Um... Yeah, so I, I mean, like overall, do you, is this film being worth your while? Is this a film you'd recommend to other people? Bear in mind, this is currently available for free on YouTube. I don't know if it's legitimately available for free on YouTube, but it is there right now. I think I mean, I don't want to say anything like too definite, but it seems to be that that restoration that's available on YouTube was done with the filmmaker's consent. The restoration may have been done with the filmmaker's consent because it was recently released uh, on Blu-ray <laughs> in the United States by Kino Lober. Yeah, um, but I think isn't the restoration 
channel, the restoration channel. That sounds weird, but the, the, isn't that the channel of the? I don't know. Rights don't rights know. change yeah. all the time. I'm not going to say anything because I'm speaking from a position of being very very ill informed. Should but. should one watch the film? Was the question that actually needed a, 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 an answer? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you want to freak yourself always... out, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> if you, you want to freak yourself out, yeah, yeah. I like just imagine. I, I just feel like it, you know getting complacent with with stuff is how we're in this stupid situation and i don't just mean the imminent threat of nuclear holocaust i mean the entire past two years mm. um it's getting complacent with stuff that we have no business being complacent about so yeah watch watch something that challenges your comfort zone watch something that challenges your sense that this is all part of history watch something that is part of history and was history when it was created but wasn't really history in 1982 and is certainly not history now um yes should be required viewing i think as as everything goes completely nuts again history that isn't history that's a new one for us <laughs> gonna get that on a t-shirt <laughs> isn't history. yeah watch it do do that thing that I said earlier because I thought this will scare me and it didn't scare me. It just made me angry. Like I said before, without without going round and and repetition of what I said. And then when you're done, just sit down with a wee glass of wine, throw brown eyed girl on, <laughs> and read the book of Revelation. And read the book of Revelation. <laughs> and just unwind. Or drift away. Or you could not listen to brown eyed girl. And you could listen to one of my tunes instead. Very true. I have a whole album there of amazing. And instead of reading Revelations, you could read <laughs> On the Brink, which is released in May <laughs> from all good online, well, Yukon Press, or um, Edge of Heaven, which is currently available and was nominated for the Arthur C. Clarke Award. Amazing that like, I've managed to get them plugs in tonight as well. I mean, like, I've definitely owed a favour from this. <laughs> Um, folks, I, I'm going to leave it there because I don't think there's much more we can say about it. I, if you get a chance to, I thoroughly recommend this. Um, I think when we're talking about film, we so often focus on fiction film and we so often focus on stuff that's very popular and current. But there's a lot of great cinema out there that's to be explored in archives. I also think there's an awful lot of fascinating documentaries and little information films. The BFI are very good at releasing stuff like that on big box sets um, if you ever get a chance have a little dive in there, explore, see what curios you can find. Um, but this is a film that's 40 years old this year. Um, and I think, as Rachel's already said, like its message has not been diluted in that time. We are further away from this film than this film was from Nagasaki and Hiroshima. And Nagasaki and Hiroshima seem just as important right now as they did in 1945. Um, it's a, an amazing insight into a very very scary world uh, and i think we probably would all benefit from it um and also if you're interested if you if you missed our uh, how to survive the apocalypse according to the movies event that we did back when this whole shit show started <laughs> two years ago um it is still available online you can go and, and watch us sort of ad lib our way through a couple of hours of entertainment and and, and ben scare people with his uh, vast arsenal of weapons <laughs> um, 
so yes check that out and uh, don't forget to like and subscribe tell your friends about what we do uh, hit us up on Twitter Facebook Instagram YouTubes hit the subscribe button there too and uh, we will catch you again very very soon Rachel's got her hand in the air and we have a newsletter too we have a newsletter as well yeah if you haven't signed up for our newsletter go onto our website cinepunked.com um, and sign up to the newsletter and every so often you'll get information from us about things that we're doing or things that we have done that you may have missed but can still enjoy as part of the process and hopefully we'll be back out and about doing events in the big bad world again really soon as well um, so thank you Neil thanks very much guys maybe thank you, Rachel thank you <laughs> what was that Neil may we live long <laughs> may we live long I'll cut him off in his prime there uh, thank you Rachel thank and you. thank you Ben thank you and thank me and uh, we'll catch you all again very very soon adios Bye. Bye. Sundays, holidays, vacation time, we must be ready every day, all the time, to do the right thing if the atomic bomb explodes. Duck and cover. That's the first thing to do. Duck and cover. First, you duck. And then, you cover. You duck and cover tight. Duck and cover under the table. It's a bomb. Duck and cover. 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 Duck and cover yourself. Duck and cover. Duck and cover. Duck and cover. He did what we all must learn to do. You and you and you and you. 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 Remember what to do, friends. Now tell me right out loud. What are you supposed to do when you see the flash? Ah!